Welcome back. This is Simon Phillips, and this is The Change Show, the show where we explore what it takes to make change happen, what it takes to create change in our lives, in our teams, in our communities, in our organizations. And I'm really delighted that we've got a fantastic guest today who's going to help you see that anything's possible almost at any point in your life, almost in any circumstances. And every time I talk to her, I get a huge smile on my face because I just think, wow, this is fantastic. So I know you're going to love today's guests, which is Patricia Mueller. Patricia, welcome. How are you? Good, Simon. How are you? I'm, I'm well, I'm just fantastic because we've had a couple of minutes, haven't we, beforehand. So I'm absolutely great right now. So for the, for the guests at home, Patricia, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um... My name is Patricia Muir and I am an entrepreneur. I started my business in 1992 and I am also um, in Ontario, Canada. I was born in the UK um, in the Birmingham area. So you know that I've been away from Birmingham for a long time, the way I say that. Uh, but uh, I started my business um, based on uh, an opportunity that was given to me to uh, take ISO 9000 standards into businesses in Ontario that were not manufacturing, they were service-based. So in 1992, the language around those standards was very manufacturing. And I made a name for myself in this area for being able to interpret the standard so that service industry was able to use it to improve their business. Okay, well, that's interesting. So as um, the regular people here to the show will know with that the chain show is powered by the gc index and you and i have been through your gc index and one of the the top two proclivities for you is polisher now iso 3000 that's all about standards and and, and rigor and everything else so you were probably absolutely delighted to be involved in that activity in the first place yes because it was always about continued improvement and uh, so that fits very well uh, with who I am. I'm always wanting to make things better. And I try to do that in all areas of life as well. And which sometimes can be um, a struggle when people don't get it. <laughs> and so I now develop programs that really are out there in the uh, world of coaching uh, women entrepreneurs in particular. And I have a couple of programs that are particular to women entrepreneurs and executives who are returning to work during and after cancer treatment and also one for women who are looking for fulfillment after the age of 60. Mm, interesting. So there's a bit of a gap there then. So between the the role of, of helping people with ISO 3000 and then establishing these programs for people who are looking to you know establish their own activity, their own businesses, what what else was included? What else uh, sort of created the Patricia that we see today? Well, I really appreciated the fact that ISO 9000 standards was an international standard and uh, gave a good framework for businesses that really were uh, did not have any kind of guidelines on what uh, quality services looked like. So it sort of brought in all the other models, um, including leadership models to um, help them to develop their own systems 
that were based on a standard, but that uh, I could actually help them to make it better so that they were fitting into the standard and complying, but they were going that step further and having um, a good integrity-based uh, culture and so that they didn't have to have all sorts of rules or regulations so that they were actually developing a culture that would support um, the best that they could do in business. And I also uh, transported that over to personal leadership as well. So um, I worked on personal quality. Um, I, I wrote a chapter in a book about policy, uh, personal quality and leadership, which was ahead of its time. And it was a lot of people are talking about it now, but this was ahead of its time. And and um, and we talked a little bit about that as well when we were looking at your your GC next profile because your by you know your biggest proclivity the one you've got most energy for is game changer and that obsession with creativity and and you know seeing possibilities for how things can be rather than just looking around and making the best of what you've got you can see things a little bit differently sometimes to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the words that sticks out for me there is I am obsessed about it. Uh, so um, I do see like a better world view, you see better world view, a better view of organizations, uh, of communities, of people doing their best as well. So that's how that fits into um, like my profile, fits into where I have worked and how I've moved over. Um, in certain areas to really value that proclivity that I have. Fantastic. So all of this work then in the ISO 9000 space, guessing, you know, from there, well, well, actually, let's not guess. Where did you go next? Was it into self-employment? Was it more employment? What did you do next? Well, that was my business. So in 1992, um, ISO 9000 came into Ontario in the manufacturing sector. Mm. And there was the, uh, the push down to any of their suppliers needing to be um, compliant with ISO 9000. So it opened up a big area um, and an area where I just sort of got really excited about because it was about the service industry, not about production lines. And so I worked in that area. Now, I had some amazing contracts with different types of businesses, um, including like um, designing chips rather than manufacturing chips like designing chips for computers like way back there and uh law and uh commercial real estate and um so i had a great um uh, number of clients that really kept me interested in taking this work further and at one point I started to get some, um, well, I shouldn't say at one point, I got back backlash quite a few times from people who would say, I don't have to do anything you tell me to do. <laughs> I say, well, I'm not here to tell you what you have to do, but as we know, a standard tells you what you have to do. I said, I'm here to help you to implement the standard based on what your, um, your your owner or your manager wants, uh, your CEO wants, I'm here to help you with that. And when I got that backlash, I thought, that's going to be a better way for me to deliver this rather than tell people what they have to do. And that's when I found coaching. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. for me, the difference is consulting is telling people what to do or advising them what to do. 
Whereas coaching is helping them to find the best way for them to do it for themselves. So that process of discovery. Yeah. So that was in uh, the early 2000s. And um, since then, I've used a blend of consulting because people still want to um, take some of the knowledge that I've built over the years and advice. So I'll give some advice. But the other part is about, here's your little bit of advice. How are you going to use that? How can you use that best for your business? And so I worked in what many of us call uh, very um, male-dominated businesses. And this is where I got the backlash quite a, a bit. Uh, like from an IT director, VP, saying, I'm not doing anything you tell me to do. <laughs> I had trouble trying to get them to get buy-in from them. Okay, so that showed up in the GC index as well, that um, trying to influence people, like I know there's great things for you to do, but trying to influence them and get them to come on board was a difficulty for me. Right. Coaching does help because then that puts the accountability on the client or them to determine how they're going to use this. So they can take as much as I give in advice, but helping them to identify how that going to work best for them. I think that is the game changer for me mm. in that part of the profile is I'll come up with the ideas. They will appreciate some, some of them they will get, but helping them to, uh, use the ones that they want to use and, um, for them to implement in their business. I think that that's been a, a strong, uh, motivator for me because then I don't have the hands on anymore. I don't have to actually hold their hand to do it. I give them the space to determine how they're going to do it themselves. Nice. Brilliant. So bring us right up to date then, Patricia, what are you up to at the moment? I'm sure your game changer creativity has been buzzing away. So what have you come up with? Okay. So one of the industries that I was in for many years, many years was automotive and they love doing things the way they did many years ago because it worked for them. Mm. And, uh, as much as I uh, did not want to let go of this client, um, the pandemic sort of helped me with that. Uh, I told them it, it's time. I'm not able to meet your needs by actually coming in anymore. So this really opened up the area where I really love to work. And that is with women leaders, uh, women entrepreneurs and women executives. Mm. Uh, I now work with, uh, numerous contacts that are all about women entrepreneurs. And one of them is uh, women's leadership for entrepreneurs. And I just love working with them because many of them are millennials and we know that millennials get a bad rap sometimes, but I find if they're a millennial that goes into entrepreneurship, they are so hungry for what we can provide wisdom for them. I love working with them because just trigger an idea and they want to go with it. And, uh, the other part of working with women owned businesses is that, um, I am an assessor. I took my quality auditing, uh, qualifications into the area of assessing women owned businesses and, uh, excuse me, other underrepresented businesses, such as the gay lesbian community, uh, yep. business owners. 
and uh, I assess their business to ensure that they they have a good uh, solid system where they are the owner uh, they are they are able to manage the operations and they have control over the operations so I use my assessment skills in that area but it's great for me because I'm able to cross feed the connections between a women's leadership and also the assessment uh, business and I've made many great connections for myself but in that network uh, for them to work together and uh, so I have quite a um, a great roster of uh, women-owned businesses that I can tap into and also network with and also thought leaders such as you because I met uh, you Simon through one of my connections and my women's network. You did, you did. Well, I'm fascinated to hear more about that, but we're gonna take a quick pause now and we'll come back and explore just how you're doing all of those amazing things with these um, female entrepreneurs. Brilliant, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll be back in just a moment. special guest Patricia Muir we've been exploring all things entrepreneurial standards what else we've we've gone all over the place we've gone from Canada to the UK with our show this is non-stop so Patricia tell me um if you were to look at your diary and and get excited about the week ahead what might stand out what really stands out for me now is the work that I'm doing to develop programs for uh, women entrepreneurs and executives uh, who are looking for fulfillment after 60. Mm. And so a lot of that work is around content, uh, me delivering content. So I do have a weekly blog and um, my best days are when I'm writing and um, my, my better days is when I actually uh, post and get my newsletter set up for uh, Sunday morning, which I call uh, the self-care Sunday and it's all helps, um, you know, being your best, uh, whether you are an entrepreneur, whether you are an executive, but it's, it also, um, taps into some of the, the current date issues, such as the, uh, gender ageism, the double whammy that women are experiencing at the moment yeah. and also, um, how they can, uh, ensure that they, they are, they're let language, how they present themselves is all about equity as well. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation over the last couple of years about diversity, um, equality and inclusion, but I look at equity and belonging. And so that is the message that I feel is missing. And that's what I'm putting into my content. Wow. It's fascinating. So what are the, I mean, you mentioned the notion of both gender, um, and age getting in the way there. Um, how does that manifest? What, what, are, what are the experiences of some of your clients? Um, for many of our clients, I, um, I think it did become an international story a while ago where, um, Lisa Laplan, who was uh, a broadcaster, uh, very well, um, thought of in Canada, uh, was, um, unceremoniously let go. And so big furry, flurry of 
um, online conversations about this and about how during the pandemic, she decided to just let her hair grow gray naturally. Mm. She got a lot of backlash for that from the upper echelon in the uh, CTV um, organization. Uh, actually, the the CEO saying, who gave her permission to do that? So there's been a big flurry of conversation about that now, about not only are uh, women um, marginalized, in, even in positions where they have a lot of um, a lot of things to say. And one of the things that came up was maybe she was too vocal. Now, we wouldn't normally get that in other positions, but in her position as a woman, like that's the first one, since so she's a woman, she's too vocal, okay? Even though she's a news broadcaster, she's supposed to deliver the news. And then the other side was the ageism part, and she was let go. Now, her uh, predecessor, when he retired in his 70s, they had a big ceremony around him leaving. With her, suddenly she just not was not on air anymore. Wow. But she went to Twitter and told her story. And so it was a, a big story. And I believe it was international. Uh, the um, What came out of that was that another um, TV station picked her up at, in time, um, sadly enough, to, to go to the UK and be the, um, the key reporter on uh, the Queen's funeral. So um, as sad as that was, she was on the world stage then. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, when you think about things like that, it just seems incredulous, doesn't it? That somebody is not measured by their talent or their skills or their ability to do the job, but they're, they're measured or judged by what age they are or how they look. And, um, you know, that we, we talked previously about your GC index, the GC index is used quite often now by recruiters because it helps people in a recruitment process to overcome that subconscious bias mm -hmm. that you know, I need somebody who's, who looks like this and, and, and who has this particular, um, these particular attributes, even if that's going on subconsciously. What they found with the GC index is that it makes no difference. There's no trends that says, well, all women have this particular type of profile or all people of color have that type of profile or all people with a disability have that profile. We're all different. We all want to contribute. We all want to make an impact differently. And that's what should be being embraced. Not, not any particular, um, you know, the way you not, it's not about the way you look. Um, and it's sad that that still goes on in this day and age. Um, but fantastic that there are people like you who are out there supporting people like that to decide what they're willing to accept and what they're not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about that, you were talking about the recruitment part. I think most um, organizations are attuned to that about biases not coming into the recruitment. But the biases are so deep that even when a person is hired or has been working for an organization and contributing for many years at a very high level, yeah. that bias is still used sometimes unconsciously and sometimes consciously 
to to make that decision that is not equitable, that it, it is against everything that should be equitable. Uh, for example, Lisa LeClanum is a part of that story, but there's many, many other women that I know that it, in my program for women who are returning to work uh, during and after cancer treatment, they have built amazing careers in a corporation where they are now, they have a seat at the table, uh, whether their voice is still there, that's another thing, but they have a seat at the table. But then when that woman is um, diagnosed with cancer and goes through cancer treatment, she comes back to all those fresh biases again, mm. and, which creates self-doubt for her and, and um, affects her self-regard and her ability to come back to work. And it's interesting how those biases are so deep that uh, without us even knowing them, they're used as tools to uh, to discriminate, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's those glass ceilings that we talk about in organizations. And uh, yeah, well, I just think the work you're doing there is fantastic, Patricia, because it there is so much work to do in it. And I wish it was different. I wish it was not the case and that actually, you know, as we said earlier, that people were promoted by um, through sound judgment around their capability as opposed to uh, anything else. Anyway, you're there, you're helping and supporting and um, and I'm guessing you're getting great results, yeah? Yes, I am. Uh, what what about this though is that some HR directors don't get, <laughs> they don't get that how important this program is. So that's a frustration for me. So that, yeah, I have to do more work on that. And um, I feel now that I have the opportunity to be more outspoken about things like that as well. And so I think this is where my game changer is really going to shine is that I'm going to be able to do that. On the world, barring nothing, right? <laughs> Look out world. Look out world, yeah. Fantastic. Patricia, we're going to take another quick break and then we'll be back. I want to ask you about a time in your life of maybe significant change and and how you got through it. What skills and models and understandings helped you navigate those waters? So we'll be right back in a moment. We were talking before the break about the real challenges that people, um, well, not just any old people, but maybe the females in our society and the ones that are maybe advancing in their years, but that seems to be um, prejudice against that rather than welcoming that and embracing the skills, the qualities and the experiences that these people have. And luckily for them, Patricia's out there campaigning on their behalf and, and working with them and coaching them and making sure that they recognize and, and feel confident in what they have rather than wondering if they're still, you know, quite often, the feedback we get from the world can can impact us and make us feel like we're not good enough. And and I'm sure that the work Patricia's doing with those um, people is helping them reimagine what life can be like once they get back out there. So that was what we were talking about before the break. But Patricia, tell me, you, you have this lovely phrase that sort of summarizes your career in, in just a couple of sentences. Do you want to share that with the with the audience? Mm. Okay, the phrase, well, first of all, I want to thank you for using the phrase advancing in age or advancing in years. We're looking for ways 
to express like what is that is it aging and <laughs> don't want to be thinking about that or is that the um the landing uh, getting shorter the landing path getting shorter so uh, a significant change in my life was actually um a real shock to me after a great career um and great feedback from other people that i worked with like from ceos i worked for an organization that was brutal the first year was brutal and i was fired i was fired at 40. i was just called in one day and said we don't want you anymore <laughs> that that's really a blow to someone who feels that they're doing fairly well so that was a real game changer for me because i decided that was not going to happen to me again and i've heard other women say that too but back in the uh, 1990s it w wasn't common for people to say that and then go out on their own and build a business they might go out and do some uh work here and there temporary work but they went back into employment I did not go back into employment. I started my business and it was uh, going very well um, at the height of my career, uh, doing very well in business and having great clients, uh, clients working with them for many years um, and all still being very satisfied with the work that we were doing together. Um, I came across another change and that was, um, I was orphaned at 60. And so that sounds, a little odd to be orphaned at 60, but it is. It's like you don't have your parents there anymore as your very strong foundation. And I cared for both uh, my father and my mother over their last couple of years, which was a drain on my business. Of course, I had to uh, make some changes to how I was working, where I was working before remote work was popular. Yeah. At, at the same time, I became the family matriarch. So huge expectations on me and then at 62 uh, because of what I believe is the stress over those years um, I had diagnosis of breast cancer now that was at the height of my business again so at that time I was able to look after the logistical part of my business and I believe that's what all great entrepreneurs are able to do we're able to look after the basics like look after clients uh, but for me it was not so much about returning to work and being able to look at the logistics. It was about what I felt in my heart. Um, it was emotional. So that was my challenge that I had to get over. Now, fortunately, uh, it's something you work on all the time. But fortunately for me, my background in um, a standard that is for accommodating people with disabilities and cancer treatment is a temporary disability, I was able to put together my own accommodation plan, which included the emotional side, not just the logistical side. Yeah. So I take that to employers now and say, this is what we need to focus on, not just whether that she need more time off. It's about how are we helping her to feel coming back into the workplace when she is coming onto the board again and she's addressing biases around the table. Mm. So um, at now at the age 70, I am still busting all those myths. Um, I'm helping women to find fulfillment after the age of 60 through my coaching programs. And it does require um, a shift in mindset of letting go of 
who we were before so that we can flourish and find fulfillment and self-actualization after the age of 60. But now I'm after the age of 70. So I just keep on going and I just love what I do. You do, and you haven't even mentioned the podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah. I have a YouTube channel that I started with uh, for women who enjoyed working after 60. And a colleague of our Simon and I, uh, her, she said to me, she says, you really have to go live with this now. She says, no more recording. She says, go live and do a podcast. So I've set up a podcast now that is called Executive Encore. And I actually bought that domain about 15 years ago. Executive Encore, um, Women Finding Fulfillment After 60. Yeah, love it. And, and do you know what stood out in your story there was, was how something that you were using inside organizations, you found a way to apply for yourself. And it helped you through those um, through those processes. And I think that sometimes we scramble around looking for new ideas and new things. And actually some of the best, some of the best tools are the ones that we've already experienced. And we just need to think about them in a different context. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's, that's what you did there. And, and it really obviously worked. So let remind me again, it was, it was fired at 40. Yes. <laughs> it was, um, uh, orphaned at 60. Orphaned at 60. Cancer at 62. And as fulfillment at 70. Fulfillment at 70. I love it. And I, 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 the reason why I wanted to go back through that was because you used the word orphaned at 60. And I was wondering whether that was... Do you think that was because you were caring for them, you know, in the last years of their life? Or was that... Was that just how you would have felt whether you'd been that close to them at the end or not? I think it's because, uh, um, I'll speak broadly here. Most of us still have the feeling that we'll have our parents around forever. Yeah. It's unrealistic. Um, some of us are fortunate to have our parents around for a long time. And some of us, like both my parents were orphaned very young in their life, oh. like during World War II. So for me, the concept of being orphaned, my parents would always be there. And my parents were always a very strong foundation for me. They, they brought us to Canada when I was five years old and created a new life. And they were, they were in their twenties, early twenties. And my mom traveled on her own, but after my dad had been here for a while. So to lose them, um, regardless, it was hard. Uh, so uh, being a person, I was a, I am. I really delved into caring for them, uh, but it was hard. It was like I, I did have help from my brothers, but um, it was more because of me being the firstborn and uh, the girl. I took over the role of being the matriarch afterwards. And and actually, I would like to share something that my dad said to me um, just before he did pass away. Um, he knew each one of us really well. So he said to me, I know you'll be all right. I know this one will need some help. But he said, for you, he said, I want you to take care of yourself. I want you to do what's best for you, not in a selfish way, uh, like identifying what would help me. And 
the last part was don't jeopardize what you built for yourself. So that goes in every newsletter as my focus quote. It's my dad's quote, but I've sort of inherited it. Mm -hmm. And take care of yourself, uh, do what's best for you, and don't jeopardize what you've built for yourself. Love it. Love it. Wow. I've got goosebumps there, Patricia. Thank you. I do every time. <laughs> so um, nobody gets off the chain show without telling us about a track that, that means the most to them. Maybe it's attached to a, a specific moment in their life or it's just pure inspiration. So what would you like to add to the chain show playlist? Okay. Enya's Watermark. Okay. So come on and tell me about this one. Okay, so Watermark came out um, about the time I was fired, when I was 40, and it was just so inspiring for me to have that. It's just a short track, but it's a short track that is very good for grounding, and um, I'm used to listen to that both in my car and in my living room when I needed something to ground me through this time where there was uncertainty, but just beauty of the music um inspired me love it love it so this it this takes us back a while doesn't it and yeah so what yeah remember the first time you heard it uh yeah the first time i heard it uh was um i think it was when i was driving home so it, it's new age so it wasn't very out there at that time in the early night right. 1990s uh, but it was when I worked for a CEO who I really admired and he actually put me on the path to, he said, you can more or less do whatever you want with the skills that you have and with how you look at business. So he was very encouraging. And then of course I went into another organization that absolutely destroyed who I was, but, <laughs> but it was around that time. So it was very uplifting. The messages I was getting from him. And it was a time when I really felt I was releasing myself into being myself. Because um, I, I believe four, 40 is a great number. <laughs> it's a great number. <laughs> I wish I was back there. But 40 is a great number. And uh, I went back to school. I went back to university. I started to build even more of my education. The world just opened up to me. So I think that's why that piece of music is just so significant for me uh, when I heard it and what was going on in my life at that time. Lovely. Well, it'll make a great addition to the playlist. Thank you, Patricia. The, for those of you who, uh, who want to find it, it's on the, the Spotify playlist of The Change Show. So go there and, and have a listen. I'm sure that you'll love it. Patricia, thank you so much for being such an amazing guest today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Simon. I've really enjoyed it as well. Thank you very much. Okay, well, you take care and we'll catch up again soon. For everybody else, have a wonderful week and we'll see you right back here again next week. Have a great one.